This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to The Culture Bunker, your pop culture podcast roundup. I'm Sean Pattenden. And I'm Andrew Harrison. This week we are thrilled to be joined by Claudia Birkin and Suzanne Freitag, aka Ex-Propaganda, purveyors of 80s megapop now back, back, back with an astonishing new album that's every bit as good as their classic A Secret Wish. And it's an electronic special as we listen to new albums by Soft Cell and Dubstar. Bleep, bleep. Plus, at the movies, it's alternative universes all round in Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. And we check out spy spoof The Pentaveret with Mike Austin Powers Myers on Netflix. All this and more on today's Culture Bunker. Welcome to the Culture Bunker. We have got fantastic guests today. Let's say hello to the first of them, Claudia Birkin and Suzanne Freitag. We're approximately half of 80s behemoth propaganda, the European wing of Trevor Horn ZTT records. Claudia and Suzanne gave propaganda an eerie, icy, Deutsche drama. And without them, we really have to ask ourselves whether we would ever have had Goldfrapp, Electribe 101, Jenny Beth, Björk, Lady Tron, and countless others. Hello, Claudia and Suzanne. It's great to have you in the studio. Hello. Wow. wow. Thank what you for introduction. Yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, you know, full disclosure, I am a fan. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. And I actually got to write the sleeve notes, one of the reissues of uh, Secret Wish years ago. Right. It was a proud moment in what right. I laughingly call a career. Oh, so, so fantastic. Hello. <laughs> glad to have you here. Your album, as ex-propaganda, The Heart is Strange, it's, it's out in a couple of weeks. Uh, you, you did this after a couple of gigs just down the road from our studio here at, at the Garage in Islington. This is in 2018. And afterwards, you decided to just go start writing new material. What, what had you missed about working together? Well, we just always thought that A Secret Wish just stood there uh, uh, on its own as just one record. We just thought that was rather sad. And we always kind of imagined what could a follow-up be. And we also thrived to make it happen. And we we came across so many hurdles uh, over the years to make it, to realize it, that Suzanne and I, we were just determined to kind of get it done. Yeah, it um, took us a long time, unfortunately, but it happened. Well, it's yeah. a, a brief thirty-seven years exactly. since the Secret Wish on <laughs> yeah. this one. I mean, it is one of those records that kind of, you know, it really stands alone in the nineteen eighties as a kind of, you know, as the exemplar of that kind of stuff. You know, that begins with an Edgar Allan Poe poem. You know, runs through the amazing mm. singles. It's a vast, vast, vast record. And yet, you were just telling us that you made it in a studio about the size of this little box that we're in right now. That's yes, right. Yes. So we we, we called it the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, in Studio 2, I think, in, in Basing Street, um, in the Sam Studios, in mm-hmm. Sam West. And yeah, so it was the smallest studio and we, yeah, we just did it all there. 
making epic things in tiny, tiny boxes. We're going to hear more about this in a short while. Mm -hmm. Time to meet our other guests, Sean. Absolutely. Katie Puckrick is a woman who needs little introduction. Former dancer with the Pet Shop Boys and linchpin of the infamous Word TV show. Katie is also a broadcaster, writer, perfume aficionado and presents her own podcast, We Didn't Start the Fire. Hello, Katie. Welcome back to Culture Bunker. Hi, I'm just leaning in to sort of nuzzle your neck (laughs) because we are sharing a mic and I love this enforced intimacy. (laughs) It's, it's the only con I'm allowed. <laughs> yes, it's quite fun in here today, isn't it? We didn't start the fire as a history of 20th century global events seen through the eyes of the Billy Joel song. You invite experts on. So who's been your recent favourite boffin? And what did you learn? Well, uh, we had a fantastic Einstein expert, uh, and he was telling us all of the behind-the-scenes tittle-tattle about how Einstein loved the ladies as a big, shameless flirt. Really? Uh, yes. Oh Naughty my... old Einstein. Oh, he he loved it, but the ladies loved him. And uh, <laughs> and the way our expert told us about Einstein's... like He was so... Um, he kind of bucked up against scientific tradition because you have to, to break some things to invent right. a new paradigm. And the way our expert was telling us about him made... It made it sound like a very exciting and sexy children's story because he had this very animated <laughs> storytelling way about him. And then it turned out that in the 80s, he was the host of a kid's program and did some sort of like wake up, wake up kids club. The Einstein expert's name is David Badanis. He wrote a book about him. And I know him. I saw, I saw you frantically gesturing to me yes. as soon as I said his name. Incredible. Yeah. Because Claudia, remember, how do you know him? I remember writing him that book because our children went to the same school. Oh. As, yeah. So, um, oh, you're yeah. his children. And, his and, children. Yeah. His children. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> and his child. And my, my daughter, they went, they went to the same school. So life isn't And so cool. we, um, yeah, we, we kind of. Yeah. And so you know what I mean? He's got yeah. this very engaging yeah. way of like, you know, big eyes and, you know, telling the story. Yeah, and he's Einstein's a lovely a, man. Yeah, Amazing lovely man. Yeah. It sounds a dirty stop out. Well, not really, but you know. Wow. With Einstein had about five shirts and they were all the same, weren't they? The ladies just loved his one look. That's well, quite interesting. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Ron Mail in Sparks. No. You know, you just have to have your, your one look. <laughs> something and, you know, uh, Andy Warhol, same thing. You yeah. just look like an old man even when you're 27 mm-hmm. and then you look like you never age. <laughs> mm. Very nice. Um, you recently wrote a Guardian piece which was recounting times on the word, but it was in context of the idea that Channel 4 may be sold off. What are your views on this? Do you think it's going to happen? Well, it's hard to uh, fight City Hall when City Hall is a giant bulldozer determined right. to obliterate culture and all that is good. It's a very spiteful move from the Tory government, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's making me think about uh, the Festival of Britain in the mid-century, which was mm-hmm. a Labour government initiative when they were building these pavilions along, uh, well, right across across the Thames from the Houses of Parliament and celebrating culture. And it was very popular uh, in that uh, very dour post-war period. And it was so popular with the with the public, but the Tory government were determined to just raise the whole thing mm-hmm. flat. The only mm-hmm. thing that's remaining there, I think, is the, the Royal Festival mm-hmm. Hall from that time. Mm-hmm. And this Channel 4 initiative is the same thing. It's uh, publicly, or it's uh, actually commercially funded, but they have a, mm-hmm. a remit to supply public-oriented uh, pro- yes. broadcasting, and it's sort of doing doing the job. It's it's nurturing new talent. You have 
uh, Michaela Cole. You have Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, you have all of this young talent that wouldn't have been nurtured mm-hmm. necessarily uh, on a, a Netflix, which mm-hmm. is what the government is saying. They're trying to turn turn an apple into an orange, but you know it's already a good apple. So <laughs> let it be. Let yeah. Channel Four be an apple, and let Netflix be the orange. Before we get going, a reminder, listeners, you can get the Culture Bunker and all of our shows early and without adverts when you support the Bunker on Patreon. No need to privatise as Nadine Dorries. This means daily episodes on politics, science, pop culture, and much more, plus all manner of exciting merchandising and special shows. Just search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out more. Now, if it's Saturday, this must be Earth 616. The big movie release of the week is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the latest in Marvel's endless interlocking series in which Benedict Cumberbatch reprises the role of the Master of the Mystic Arts and does that horns thing with his hands a lot. Following on from the events of Division, where we discover that Wanda Maximoff is actually a complex and terrifying creature called the Scarlet Witch and Spider-Man No Way Home, where Doctor Strange messes with reality with hilarious consequences. This multiverse movie has a lot to carry. We sent a crack team of nerds to watch it last night. That's me, Alexandreo, and Ian Dunt. First, though, here's the trailer. Someone once told me that the reality I thought I knew was just one of many. Careful which path you travel down. Stronger than you have lost their way. You think there will be no consequences? We're in the end game now. I sacrificed everything. And it meant nothing. Oh, strange. What have you done? I never meant for this to happen. cannot control everything. You brought this on yourself. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. That doesn't seem fair. Okay, so it's last night and we've just been to the movies. Uh, I've just been to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with Ian Dunst. Hello. And with Alexandreo. Boys night out! Lads night out, lads, lads, lads. So, um, it's, there's a lot to talk about here. Alex, give us the setup first, exactly what is happening here, and please try not to spoil it. Oh, good Lord, I didn't know I had to do this. So, what happens is the various multiverses begin to touch on each other, fracture a little bit, and uh, our uh, intrepid um, travellers jump between various ones trying to correct the thing that's gone wrong. Did you have to make that sound so sexy? (laughs) (laughs) It's not, I'm going to say, it's not a sexy movie, but it's a very, very, very eventful movie. It's just my way. So, again, this is not much of a spoiler, but our core cast consists of Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Benedict Wong as Wong, Joquitil Gomez as America Chavez, and Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. Scarlet Witch. Ian, what did you think? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It is exactly what it says on the tin, which is an absolute blather of preposterous nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) A relentless blather of nonsense. I mean, it doesn't stop. So it it does feel like a cramming together of lots of things, one of which is weaponized nerd delivery. Mm. Just Especially for comics nerds, probably more than most Marvel films. If you know your comics, it is really delivering to you very hard. Then a sort of Sam Raimi horror 
which kind of comes out of yeah. nowhere, sort of an Evil Dead 2 yeah. kind of real tone. Lots just of fits. rotting arms coming out of holes to grab you. Yeah, and pierced eyeballs and stuff. Oh, you yeah. sort of think, oh, I wasn't yeah. really, didn't really think you were going to go It is Sam Raimi directing, so he's allowed to homage himself. He is, which he does extensively over yeah. and over again. <laughs> he might go blind if he homages himself much more. But do you think, when you take a step back from it, you sort of think, like, did that all mesh together as a whole? And the answer is probably not. Did I have, a, like, a really fucking good time? And I absolutely did. Alex, what did you think? Um, I'm, first of all, I'm still trying to get over the embarrassment of having the two of you actually whooping and <laughs> applauding next knew to that me. Would happen. Like this is fucking 1993, <laughs> and we're watching we're watching a film at the Elephant and Castle Coronet while smoking weed. Yeah. Um, I thought that the central narrative, the plot, as it were was enough to fill about an hour, mm-hmm. and the other hour was crammed with completely unrelated set pieces. Yeah. <laughs> the unrelated set pieces were delicious, by yes. the way. Mm. I'm not knocking them, mm. um, but as a whole, yeah. you know, the, the film could have probably been beefed up by being shorter, mm. but you can see why, and, and I saw it everywhere in this film, basically cinematography and art department, costume department, just went bananas <laughs> because they could do anything well, you know having them breaking from reality to reality they could yeah. literally do There's, there is anything. a bit there is a bit where we, we we sort of see the full implications of traversing multiple realities at the same time and this part of the film could be subtitled Hello, young people. Have you ever tried hallucinogenic drugs? <laughs> Would you like to take a massive load off them? Because this is what it's like. My issue with this, and again, I hope this is not spoiling it too much, is you know, I was absolutely buried in fan service here, right? The thi- yeah. things happen in this film that make the last Spider-Man movie look blunt and uh, you know straightforward. Things happen in this that, yeah, at one level, I was utterly delighted about because characters appear who I thought were last seen drawn on my school exercise book in 1978 yes, and appear in full dimension. Other characters appear who are completely brand new and brand new minted in, only in, in animation and comics, suddenly in full flesh. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so at a, at a massive nerd level, I was very satisfied. At a kind of character story level, I'm not sure I was because I'm not sure what... I'm not so sure how Doctor Strange evolves and changes in the course of this movie. Mm-hmm. He just goes to an awful lot of crazy shit. One particular beloved character, I don't think their evolution is going to be very warmly welcomed, shall we say. I, I think you're right about this, and there's a danger of something else as well, which is the whole multiverse thing. And to be honest, we have it before. I mean, we had it in One Division, and I think we had it a bit in Spider-Man, which is, it's really fun, because you get yeah. to see all this stuff from other places suddenly being put on screen. But when it ends, you think, okay, but did any of that mean anything, even yeah. in terms of, do they still exist? Will I still see them yeah. going forward? Yeah. Or, that, or, or person, have they just gone now? Is that person who died, are they still dead? I, well, right. exactly, I think that's the point. It lessens the peril. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my issue with Having it. a multiverse means if, you never have to say you're sorry. These, exactly, if there's all these <laughs> other ones out there, yeah. then, you know, if this one goes to shit, we'll just jump... To another another one, yes. nerds, nerds have a real issue with the kind of Easter egg mentality, which is, you know, what if it was 
Nazi robots fighting dinosaurs from space, right? I and and you know, that, yeah. I mean, right, so would I actually. Now that I've said it, I can't stop thinking about it. No, but like, no, but it just, you wouldn't. But, but it's Nazi not, the thing is, yeah. none, none of that has any heart to it. What people liked when they watched the last Spider Man film, really what they liked was the heart, right? Yeah. They've been with these characters for time and there's the heart. There's a danger with the multiverse things, you just keep on giving us what we want as. Here is the one image that you Endlessly want. And, renewable, yes. Right, but there's no real sort of soul to, to the thing. I'm not saying that that's what happens here, but to the, watching it today, I got my first flickers of nervousness yeah. that when we really go into this multiverse thing, that's what we're going to end up with. Now that we've done the negatives, we should probably say some of the positives. I mean, Let's I, get I, all the negatives I, on me. Right. I mean, so I really like Sam Raimi, and yeah. not just the Spider-Man oh, things, then but, was but the Evil Dead. But I even mean like the older Evil Dead, sort of squidgy, cheap... Yeah. Yeah. raucous horror and he brings that sensibility here not just in terms of how things look but just the joy of it like yeah. the, the rigorous joy that is like I'm going to give you you think you want one cake I'm going to stuff three <laughs> cakes down your mouth and it, it is rel- I can't stress how relentless it is so yeah. by the end of it you're like thank you Sam Raimi for Sam Raimi and the fuck yeah. out of this <laughs> there, is, right. there is also one incredibly brilliant Sam Raimi in joke there's a brilliant pizza. It's just awesome. <laughs> it's really very, very good indeed. And fans of the Evil Dead 2 will be very, very happy about one yeah. cameo and yeah. the joke that is delivered on that cameo. You should stay to the end of the credit. Yes. So I think that's, that's quite a good summary, actually. Yeah. You you feel you you leave feeling you've had a bit too much cake. Yeah. Right. But, but then again, too much cake is not <laughs> the worst true. thing. And the world. next morning you might think were some of those empty calories. <laughs> and probably they were, but you were sated at the time. Well, this is uh, Andrew and Ian and Alex returning you to the Culture Bunker in the Baxter building. We'll see you soon. Bye. Sean, what did you think? You went to see it with, with your son, didn't you? I certainly did. I had to book days in advance to get our tickets because it was a sold-out cinema yes. and it was on every half an hour. I really enjoyed it, but I think you need to crib up on what's gone on because I'd forgotten some of the mm. stuff of WandaVision. I'd forgotten some of the Marvel Avengers Assemble and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think there are some threads that you really need to know what the family in the Marvel Universe is doing before you get to this. I thought Elizabeth Olsen was absolutely incredible. Mm. as the Scarlet Witch and yes. Wanda you know is yes. she you know she's one or the other she's either a housewife or she's you know obviously the devil housewife demon which is your golden <laughs> life well it is I mean we can all relate right I thought she was absolutely fantastic and also Benedict Cumberbatch is brilliant he's always really really good and I've seen him do things live and he is so captivating he's really good at acting I also love Benedict Wong as yeah. he is Errol in 13 Stories High as well. He's wonderful. It was a real treat for the eyes, but I think I need to go and see it again to work out you definitely, some of what's going you on. You need your PhD in Marvel. Luckily, <laughs> luckily <laughs> I have one. <laughs> <laughs> you do. If there is a connoisseur choice for the best record of the 1980s, it could well be Duel by Propaganda, a piece of gleaming megapop that united haughty glamour, towering production values, and ladles of art-pop resonances. Memorably described as ABBA in hell, <laughs> Propaganda were a stern and forbidding two-boy, two-girl outfit from Dusseldorf. They were as inspired as much by Throbbing Gristle as they were by Agnetha, Bjorn, Benny and Annie Fried. Propaganda's releases on Trevor Horn and Paul Morley's fabulously pretentious ZTT label, including Dr. Mabusa, a nightmare translation of German cinema, into a 10-minute pop symphony and the incredible album The Secret Wish all still sound astonishing today and now Claudia and Susanna back as ex-propaganda the new album The Heart is Strange is out on the 20th of May we're going to talk about it after this track This is Beauty is Truth
Beauty is Truth by Propaganda. Full track on the rolling playlist, of course. Claudia and Suzanne, this is a really great record. I mean, we talked about how you'd always wanted to do the next statement after after Secret Wish. Did you ever think you would get to do it, though? Because there's been many little, you know, attempts and you've come together and fall, you know, mm. got apart at different times. Did you think you would actually get to do it? Yes, I think we were always imagining and wanting and had ideas to, to work on it. We didn't realise it would take us such a long time, but uh, it did. <laughs> mm. I mean, The Secret Wish is so informed by, by by poetry, as I mentioned, by German cinema, by that whole world of... Uh, you know the the independent German art culture that, that you formed in in the in the early nineteen eighties. We're in a very different world now. What what kind of things do you, do you as you were making this record? Did you feel were kind of feeding into it? You know, what are you watching? What are you seeing? Is it, do you feel it is a German record in the way that the other one perhaps is a German record? Well, I've been here for forty years now, mm. almost. So. Um, I, I, I am like um, any kind of songwriter. So I just react from what I, what's outside, and and it's my reaction to it. So, for example, with "Beauty Is Truth," um, it was, it's pretty much about fake news, um, yeah. um, telling people to be careful and be aware and stand by, dismiss, you know, be be cautious. Um, so that's that was the theme, which was also what we thought was very kind of in line with what we used to write about, like mm. the subject matter and it with propaganda being the word propaganda. And so it kind of, we yeah. just, uh, it just seemed to make sense, you know. So. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. sometimes it takes a while for things to come back into focus, but they're quite in focus now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you said German record. We never thought about it as a German record. I think the first one or the mm. second one. But of course, you know, because we are in the, we were then in the German system and we wanted to make it sound also European English and not you know but it's probably for you as English it's a very German oh yeah yeah I mean, I remember thinking, you know when these jokes yeah. oh my god this sounds incredible yeah. it's like a Fritz Lang movie yeah, yeah. but yeah. also it was very German themes you know mm. I mean mm. so for we always, I think someone said it was Trevor Horn's darkest moment uh, in, in yeah. production and yeah it, it obviously was based on all on that kind of German history mm. and and also, I mean, something that I I had only recently realised that you know this was this is a record made from, from you know before Germany had been reunified and the idea that there's mm-hmm. a you know it's a split country and we were in a split world mm-hmm. and then we weren't and now it kind of feels like we are again. It's sort <laughs> yeah. of you know yeah. that stuff that that thing is, is is returning. I mean, I love to see it which because it felt so European. Obviously, we've been through Brexit here and that. Britain and you've you know you living here have seen it close up. Britain has gone has lost its mind in its its obsession with uh, setting itself apart from Europe. As Germans in the UK, how did you feel about that? Did you find it you know? I thought it was devastating. I mm. was like super sad to to see this happening and uh, couldn't believe it. As yeah yeah, it was tragic. Yeah mm. yeah, really sad. Yeah yeah, and very I think really difficult for England. I mean. And Great Britain, I think, I'm really worried, I think, Yeah. when I think about the future. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, you formed on the, the Dusseldorf Art Underground in the early 1980s. Season, it was originally your band, wasn't it? It was it was you and Ralph Dober and Andreas Tyne. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> I think it was Ralph Dober and Andreas Tyne, and then I joined. But mm. yes, yeah, we were the beginning, and then Claudia and Michael joined. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you went very rapidly from doing sessions with John Peel to suddenly getting signed to the most, you know, certainly the loudest and most conspicuous record label of the day. It was all, that all seemed to happen very quickly. What what are your standout memories of that sort of early period of working with ZTT? 
Uh, yeah, I was just saying about John Peel. I mean, this was also before Propaganda Cloudy and I were in a girls band and John Peel played us apart from, you know, for on a kind of, what was it? it we, was ended, a, we ended up on the sampler. Yeah, sampler. And, uh, oh, yeah. Just, just all these very serious German uh, Dusseldorf mm. musicians and Cologne musicians and mm. it were mostly men, mm. uh, young men. And then there was like a, a slot for two songs still available and they asked us if we wanted to be on that sampler. So we recorded that song mm. and it was hilarious because John Peel just played this song. <laughs> oh, right. You know, and so, the poor guys and were the really guys, disappointed. They were very irritated by that yes, I remember that they'd so. sort of sweated their inspiration to yeah. death and, and you were the one yeah. what was your band name uh, Topolinos what's that um, it's called oh, I don't know what it is called it, the, the Mickey Mouse Mice. yeah in Italian <laughs> it was a bit like pre-Bengals or oh, okay. it was also yeah. a bit yeah. like um, we yeah, wrote this like song I think in Club oh, okay yeah. Yeah. So, in two yeah. days or something yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah the new record manages to get that gigantic <laughs> sound those sounds are now on a laptop, aren't they? You can create things on much more affordable, much more avail- available software. And you're back working with Steve Lipson, who was one of the ZTT team and the producer of, of, of Secret Wish. Mm-hmm. I've been told not to call him Lippo. We've got to call him <laughs> Steve Lipson. What does he get out of you? How does he coach you? How, what, how does he help you, you know, realise the things that you're thinking about? He just lets us... A lot of freedom, I think. It just says, OK, try it out, I'll do it. And then... Um, when we are, for example, recording or something. And it's quite surprising what he gets out of us. Uh, you know, like, like <laughs> for example, one song, Don't You Mess With Me. Mm. It's just like one straight vocal performance. Mm. You know, it's just like so... It's just that he's so easy to work with. And it's also, it was really easy to work with him at the time, like mm. 40 years ago or 38 years ago. And, and that seemed to be like um, nothing had changed. We, mm. uh, and it's just very playful and not forced and we didn't we didn't sit down thinking okay let's make a follow up to a secret wish mm-hmm. that we didn't even think about this this was uh, a consequence of us having not feeling we, we had not enough material to play on in, in a live setting mm. we we kind of drew on on playing b sides and we just thought we really could do this with some new material mm. and so it was just all really really like easy going you know, and that I think is is Stephen's great talent. You know, you you don't even feel like you're recording. Yeah. Mm. I love this album. I've been listening to it over and over and over <laughs> to the extent that I uh, did contact your PR to say, "Can you send me the download?" And she was questioning my motives. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Like, listen to it and love it some more. <laughs> Give me a break, lady. But it wasn't quite out yet, so I have to obey the protocol. Mm. But one of the things I love about it is that. It still sounds so modern and futuristic because sometimes bands who start in a certain era um, almost sound a little dated when they go back to that sound. So your original sound was so futuristic and modern. And even though this is still unmistakably propaganda, it still sounds so fresh and ahead of the game, especially in this environment where with, I guess, the popularity of video games and then consequently there's all these 80s sounding kind of pastiche 80s bands. So whether it's... um, uh, FM 84 or 
the Midnight or mm. Gunship bands like that. They sound like they're kind of just Legoing 80 sounds, but you guys are are. It sounds authentic. Well, thank you. And well, also your voices so are so yeah, distinctive. So all of it is. It's so pleasing. And <laughs> oh, from, how lovely! And it's for nice me, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, guys, for your like late night Netflix and chill cozy cozy needs. Um, I love the last track on the album. Which what's that right. one called? Oh, Ribbons of Steel. Ribbons of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> Ribbons of Steel. That's about German history. You know, that's about. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. A couple that's being um, being divided by um, the wall uh, by the wall. Just mm-hmm. you know, when the fence comes up first, there was mm-hmm. barbed wire that yes. was um, yeah. coming up before the wall was built, and that's about that yeah. moment of two uh, lovers being separated by oh, that. Yeah, I'm so glad to know about that. Is, is that's the yeah. theme? Because I, I lived uh, in West Berlin when I was a child. My dad was in the mm-hmm. Air Force, so oh. during the in the sixties mm-hmm. in the Cold War. So I definitely remember mm-hmm. driving through Checkpoint Charlie mm-hmm. and going yeah. to Potsdam. Oh, so between the east and the west. Yeah, so yeah. You, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so I have a visual for mm-hmm. it. So thank you mm-hmm. yeah. 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 for the sonic <laughs> element. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that track as well. Mm-hmm. Ribbons of Steel. It's got, it has the feel mm-hmm. of the Inception soundtrack. Well, that kind of like you. It, is it a dream or is it real? Mm-hmm. Are we experiencing things? Right side or wrong side? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it is kind of in a weird way. It is it's sort of like a bookend to Dream Within a Dream? I, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. But one of the tracks that I really mm. like, I'm going to play it in a minute. This really stood out to me, and it's going to be very relevant to our listeners. I think the Wolves Are Returning mm. is about far right radicalism, mm. neo Nazis, alternative for Deutschland, the hard right in the UK. Mm. And I actually can't believe that nobody else has written a song about this because this is one of the dominant themes of now. We always thought that we'd vanquished extremism. It was never coming back, particularly in Germany. And now here it is. Tell us about this song. Tell us about where it came from. Yeah, it was really definitely a reaction to the Trump uh, movement and... um uh, yeah, no, on the other hand, um, I was also, it's really, um, so I kind of, we got the idea for it by seeing those pictures and about Trump and, and the rallies, the and, rallies yeah. and the rise of, and it was like, oh, this, this is sounding familiar, you mm. know, or the kind of, we've been here before. Mm. I think all over Europe, the, you know, the rights are rising and there's so many neo-fascistic groups and neo-Nazis. Yeah. It's really, Worrying. So um, I think you came up with the wolves, the yeah. title, and this is such a good symbol, I think. There are uh, groups called Grey Wolves or something. Yeah. I think yeah. this was in, in um, Turkey or, no, yeah. I think in well, Greece. The, that yeah. sort of like wolf motif has always been mm. a big thing with the Nazis. And, they, yeah. yeah. But also it's like such an arch, uh, arch what do you, ar- archetype, archetype, you know, mm. like the wolf, like in the Brothers Grimm. The wolves and the, uh, what is it called? The Sieben Geislein. Yeah. The seven, seven dwarfs. Mm-hmm. And nein, the, nicht uh, dwarfs. Um, no? Goats, the, uh, the ah, seven young goats, you know, and oh, yeah, the, the wolves knocking on the door and uh, d- uh, d- uh, uh, pretending it's the mom coming yeah. home. So that was that, you know, the wolf uh, yeah. no, uh, knocking, knocking the door. And also there was also at the time... When we uh, when we came up with that was the, the uh, this program about um, actually the wolf actually the, the animal wolves really returning oh um, and oh, the, the rewilding uh, yeah yes. yeah the, 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 they're actually uh, the, they're regaining territory yeah so it was just like something like oh regaining mm. and then yeah so mm. just one. I mean, obviously, it came together. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously massively relevant to Germany because this is something that actually your own music is rooted in. You know, Dr. Mabuse's uh, films of Fritz Lang, the interwar period. Does Germany take this more seriously than Britain does because Germany has got to deal with Germany's history, do you think? 
think they're very um, kind of yeah. um, very um, alert yeah. and and um, wanting to really make sure this is not happening again. You know, so because of yeah mm. uh, the legacy that yeah. uh, uh, we had to carry, also our generation yeah. had to carry. I think it's different now. It's more different now with more generation yeah. in the past. But when Suzanne and I started out, it was you know our grandparents and mm. our parents. You know they were. That personal experience. Personal experience. Mm. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, and a lot of you, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot, I think German politicians are in denial. I mean, they're alerted, but also at the same time, they're not quite sure how to deal with it, I think. And yeah. mm. it's difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're of a similar age, and I can, I can remember Bader Meinhof in mm. Germany and the, that sort of generational break, the generation that wanted to hold their parents, their grandparents to account. Yeah. And it was a massive national conversation which ran through. But the, the refrain in the in the song, instead of doing something, should have, instead of doing something, should have yeah. done something, scared of doing something, instead I did nothing. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, they, yeah. that I really yeah. kind of... Yeah. Uh, like that, yeah. Because I think we all sort of feel a little bit like that. You yeah. see things going on. Mm. And you're ignoring it, yeah. Mm. Or you're putting it away and, yeah. you know, turning a blind eye. Yeah. And that's really... You know, history repeats. When history <laughs> yeah. repeats, yeah. Mm. So, mm. Well, yeah. you're playing in London <laughs> at the Garage, yeah. which is about 200 yards from our studio in Islington, <laughs> yes. North yes. London, and it's on 24th of May, is that right? That's right. Okay, so... Uh, we'll be down there. We'll be down oh, there. Yeah. I'm going to be down there. Are you? Are you? We will down there, yes. And that's good because we're not very tall, so if you come, you'll be able to see over... Yeah, if you look down in the front row and see some very small people. That's all. So, listeners, do join us. Let's have a listen to The Wolves Are Returning. The wolves are returning, they're on the rise again We've opened up the door and now we let them in We've lost before we started, hatred on our sides When history repeats, must we take it in our stride? Nothing is certain episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it 
a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Every week we ask our guests to bring in a current favourite track of theirs as a premium service to you, the listener. Uh, Katie Pocrit, what track have you brought in and why have you brought it in? Well, my ears have been tickled by a new collaboration between five leading musicians from London's jazz and experimental scenes. Mm-hmm. The group is called Flock. And this song, which is Expand, I like it because it's sort of Philip Glassy, but sort of cosmishy. Mm. Um, it's based on improv. So Bex Birch, who's one of the participants, he says that the guidance for the rest of the musicians were texts that he wrote. He says, I wrote texts as scores for the session. And the emphasis was on breathing and listening to each other. Um, and he maintains that improv is just a composition in and of itself. But the thing I love about jazz music is that it's surprising. So I like mm. to be surprised. I mean, I, I like the comfort of pop music and knowing it's going to be lather, rinse, repeat of, <laughs> of the verse and yeah. the chorus and the bridge and the chorus. But the thing I love about jazz and uh, especially these kind of hybrids is that you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. Mm. And I love it that the, it's timeless. Jazz just yeah. feels so timeless. So yes, I yes, like exactly. That. Cosmosha Philip Glass, I bet propaganda are going to really hate this. (laughs) (laughs) This is Expand by Flock. New music from old favourites. You'd think there was something in the water. The reformed Soft Cell are onto their fifth studio album. It's called Happiness Not Included, 41 years after their debut. And 90s dream pop band Dubstar are also set to release their fifth, the album simply entitled Two, right now. But what can these established synth duos... Hang on, there is a theme to this show. <laughs> do you think? Bring to the sonic landscape of 2022. Let's find out. Here's a taster of Soft Cell with Happiness Not Included and, special bonus, the full track of Dubstar with I Can See You Outside. So wash your hands and sing happy birthday And jump won't sanitize your sins So much we enjoy build on broken backs We can't turn away and paper over the cracks before you get deluded, read the small print of life. Happiness not included. Happiness not included.
Katie. Yes. Are you a soft sell aficionado? <laughs> well, I have to say,、uh, when I was starting my career as a new wave obsessed teenager.、Mm. Uh, I did have a 12-inch of bed sitter、okay. uh, by Soft Cell, and、mm. I was an American teenager in my Northern Virginia suburban bedroom listening to this, and I had no idea what a bed sit was. It was some like exotic <laughs>、okay. English terminology. Mark Almond seemed very anguished about it.、Uh, so I、yeah. do like and appreciate Soft Cell.、Mm. And what I would say about this album、mm. is, much like propaganda as ex propaganda,、mm. Soft Cell have stayed really true to themselves and only still sound like themselves,、mm. and and even more so. So、um, the electronic blips and bleeps、mm-hmm. are quite fresh and just weird enough, like they're not pandering. And then Mark. He's got his his style of、uh, lyric writing is so literal. It's so like I went down to the shop and I saw a man, and then he gave me a weird look, and then I felt strange, and then、uh, I thought about Andy Warhol. Like it's all very kind of stream、yeah. of consciousness, but somehow it is quite I don't know emotional.、Mm-hmm. It, and and is that is that in a French chanson tradition? Is that kind of like you're just narrating? Your thoughts and、um, you know, like it's a bit existential, but also it's just very quotidian. Is that the idea? Maybe. I mean, you're you're talking about Polaroid, one of the tracks here, which is about when Mark Allman met Andy、yes. Warhol in 1982, and he did say、uh-huh. it was an extremely underwhelming meeting, and that's what we're getting from the song. Is、yes. I saw you, you saw me, you didn't say much, I didn't say much. Either. That's what basically、yes. the, the song is. Yeah, that's it. That's a really、yeah. good example. I mean, he kind of continues that in the rest of his whole. Uh, you know the rest of the songs, but yeah, that's a great example of it. He said, "I I said hi." He said,、yeah. "What did hi. he?" He said, <laughs> he said "Hi, hi,、yeah. G, G." He、oh, said, "G." I said, "Hi," and he does say "G." So it, Warhol was is very kind of monosyllabic、mm. in that way.、Mm. Now, as a friend of the Pet Shop Boys, because obviously you keep in touch regularly, I know.、That. Oh, we're on the blower every <laughs> night. We have the collaboration Purple Zone, which was released、yes. as a single shortly. Does it fit with the rest of the album? Here, I feel like it doesn't fit with the rest、oh, okay. of the album.、So、I, I feel. Like it sticks out as a, you know, Neil and Chris of the Pet Shop Boys came over for a cup of tea in the、mm-hmm. studio. Chris turned on the synthesizer,、uh, like just threw in the synth stabs from "You Are Always on My Mind," jing,、yeah. jing, jing, jing,、mm-hmm. jing, jing,、yeah. um, and、uh, it, so I feel like it's nice.、Uh, lovely people are having a chinwag. And then they're going on their way again. I, I don't think it really amounts to that much, but I'm happy that they're together and alive and creating. <laughs> Wonderful, Suzanne and Claudia. Are、mm-hmm. you happy that Soft Cell are alive and creating? Yes. Of hey. Hey, hey, what did you make of the album? I think the the lyric writing was very intimate, and that、mm. has really drawn me into that. I, in the beginning, I needed a bit of time to、oh, okay, I'm not sure, and then it, it really grew on me because it was almost like a audio biography or something. Like you said, I said hi, he said hi, or、mm-hmm. G, and、mm-hmm. and、um, I think okay, that's interesting. It's just,、uh, and I loved. Production, Andrew. I got a bit of Cabaret Voltaire, and there's a Shangri La's percussion in one of the tunes. Yes. What did you make of this? Are they fusing the old sound with new, or is it very much old? The irony is that the the synth pop of which they were part of、mm. the vanguard、mm. 
is now in itself a kind of um, a heritage form. It is almost the, it is the folk music, mm. you know, and, it, and you can still make mm. new folk music, obviously, but it has become. I don't think it's ossified, but I do think it is now a thing with a fifty-year history. Right. So everything you do within it is going to resonate with things that have happened in the previous fifty years. They've always had bits of Martin the Vandellas in, haven't they? Mm, yeah. The pair of them are Northern Soul freaks. Yeah. And in mm. fact, I think their comeback was actually called Northern Soul a few yeah. years yeah, ago. Yeah. What I found, I mean, I like this record. Um, it's it's quite a, a melancholy record. It's an older Mark Almond looking back on all the things that he used to do when he was a wild enfant terrible. Mm. <laughs> and now finding that the world has strangely become a lot more conservative yes. than it was when yes. he was doing his thing and <laughs> yes. rolling around on the stage mm. in previously underpants. <laughs> I mean, there's one line, they're undoing the 80s is yeah. a, in, in um, yeah. one of the tracks. It is, music-wise, it's the, it's the cleaner, sharper, non-stop erotic cabaret end of mm. Soft Cell. It's not the last night in Sodom, you know, Jimi Hendrix covers horror and abrasion and Einstein's and the Lloyd Barton <laughs> thing that they <laughs> threw themselves into in yeah. the end and, and yeah. will happily admit now immolated their career at the time. Yeah. So they've got back to that, uh, you know, Dave Ball is a, an extremely meticulous uh, mm, creator. Friend of the show, Dave Ball. He's friend of the show, here, Dave Ball. Yeah. Extremely meticulous producer in, and, and it just, it, it's, it has a lovely tactile quality what a great melancholy over the yeah, top! It's yeah. like we've, we've not really encountered the uh, the mature electronic enfant before, have we? And now we're encountering him. No, because I mean, a parallel is Neil Tennant, but he was not an enfant no, no, He was more the detached observer. Yeah. He's the PG Woodhouse of the electronic. <laughs> well, I mean, more. Mark and Dave obviously yeah. adored suicide. Yes, and that, uh, yeah, you know would follow that well. route a bit more. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, a vaguer route. Yeah, yeah. I just really yeah. like the fact that they go keep going. Mm. You see, and. Um, yeah, and and you, know, I think you need to do that as a musician. You just need to, you know, although yes. you have been so much in over time, mm. that you still have things to say and that you react to mm. what's what's going on. Like we reacted with wolves, for example, yeah. um, to to what's going on. He does the same, you know. So I think it's yeah. really important, and it's great to see that people from the era. Yeah. Uh, era doing it yes mm-hmm. yeah. and obviously they have had their other projects similarly to you between the albums but five mm. albums I quite like in 41 yeah. years mm. James Joyce if you if you do an approximation of his writing 90 words a day lazy sod <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's something to it that always makes me feel better when I haven't had yeah. a very productive day I see these yeah it's, it's similar as you know we'll make mm. an album every 10 years mm. yeah. almost you yeah. know what I loved about the Soft Cell album mm. I was just thinking about it playing it back in my head quietly mm. as we chatted mm. amongst ourselves uh, the soul singers who start kind of warming it up towards the end so mm. it starts mm. quite angular and you know confessional and emotional but also kind of detached with the you know the electronica and and then gradually you get the the heat and the warmth mm, and the comfort mm. of these soul voices sort of crooning in and and I like that that dissonance between those two styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we move on to Dubstar, who Let's also made their, their fifth album in a few years? Um, who should we start with, Andrew? Because I think this has got you written all over it. We played Token, one of the singles, a few weeks ago. They are now a duo. They released album one four years ago. What did you think of this one? Um, well, this is kind of record that's almost designed for my approval <laughs> exactly. because it is, again, <laughs> grand megapop. It's a Stephen Haig production, yep. Stephen mm-hmm. True Faith, Stephen Pet Shop yeah. Boys Haig. 
beautiful couture electronic pop with a lot of scale to it. Again, a theme is emerging this week, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah. But also, I find it extremely relatable because it's midlife megapop, actually. It's it's, uh, it's breakdown of relationships. It's realising that uh, certain things are not going to happen in your life and maybe you should treasure the things that are. Mm. Um, and maybe that you've uh, you, you missed out on certain things that you should have been paying a little bit more attention to. I mean, they were always half Smiths, half Pet Shop Boys and a large chunk Very of St. Etienne, so. weren't they? Very much part of the world of Britpop. They were on food records. Yeah. Home of Blair and Jesus Jones, so they were kind of connected to all of that. I, I love Sarah's voice. I think uh, it's it is so clean and so English. And also, mm. I like the fact that for once we get a proper Northern accent in pop. Here is a woman who will sing glass. That I find great. I mean, full disclosure: I'm doing a Q and A with them tonight at Rough Trade East. So, ha ha, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is kind of to make a record of such scale. They're on their own independent label. Mm, They're going to yeah. finance this all themselves. Yeah, yeah. There is no... Which I think makes a difference yeah. to you. Polymer Records are not behind this. Yeah. So they've been able to do it on their own terms, yeah. and yet it hits all the points that you would ex- would have expected, something with, with major level finance behind it. I think it's really good. Yeah, I agree. Totally I think it's agree. really... It's very crisp and bell-like almost. I mean, mm, the production yeah. is very light, and it's lovely. And somehow yeah. her... I think her vulnerability in the voice and in the lyrics is yeah. great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Did you like it, Sean? Yeah. I really enjoyed it um, because, you know, you know, when you think a band might just be um, a facsimile of themselves, that something may get lost in the translation, and especially if it's been so long, you're kind of worried. And I had a feeling I, that they always didn't get their due anyway in the 90s. Yes, they had hits, mm. but because they had a female singer, I don't think that they were given the cred mm. and that they were given the props that they should have been. Because right. um, mm. some of their songs are just exceptional. And the way, as we're saying, that Sarah sings in her own accent, mm-hmm. she has this Rita Tushingham very... I say what I feel and the spade is a spade and yet there's all this melancholy that goes mm. through it. Mm. There is such a strength within her but without kind of over-singing or over-performing mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. That When I heard this, I just thought, this is it. I mean, probably the best album that they've made. Yeah, Stephen so. Haig production yeah. is absolutely perfect and yeah. it seems seamless and that's the trick, isn't it? Because yeah. songs aren't always easy to construct. Yeah. They don't mm. always work mm. out first time. Katie, what did you think? One of my favorite songs of the entire 90s was Stars by Debbie Starr. And I would listen to it over and over again when I was questioning a relationship (laughs) I was in. Is it enough? And I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what the lyrics are about. But Mm. there was just a feeling of the sadness, Mm. the poignancy of, uh, you know, the combination of the purity of her voice Mm. with the sorrowful feel of of the, the music. And I felt like... Listening to this album, I know you're talking lyrically that it has a, a depth to it and, mm. and a, a, a darkness or maybe just a, a truthful acknowledgement mm. of mm. things going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> when you reach a certain age or that past the halfway point in your life. But I, I felt like I missed that oomph uh, that I got out of them in the 90s. And mm. it might just be because I'm older as well. And also I know what to expect from them. Mm. It didn't quite nourish me in the way the Ex Propaganda mm. album did. Like that, that was a real it's surprise. It's not a competition, you know, Katie. It's not a competition. No, I'm just lining up. I'm just lining up my my favorite pop stars, and uh, and it's not because you guys are sitting opposite me. But there was just something so exhilarating about your work. But what is great about Dubstar's work is very comforting. And my favorite thing about that album and mm. about the band mm. is. I think of them as almost a a British folk band. It sounds like contemporary folk Mm. because of her voice. Her voice is very 
um, just uh, plain song mm. uh, folky mm. to me. Mm. Like Pentangle Go Rave. Maybe. <laughs> now, I don't think we've ever had four women in the studio <laughs> before for Culture Bunker and One Man. But can I say, ladies, there's a song called Hygiene Strip. I mean, that, that was enough for me yes. as well. What a great yes. title. What great a great title. title. Yeah. I love have, it. I have yeah. to hand it to them. Yeah. And um, yeah. they aren't mentioning gusset, though, in that song. It's a metaphor. Is that right? The I think it's a metaphor, but I would rather it was, you know, not. <laughs> it was actually about <laughs> uh, the, buying a swimsuit in Marks, not being able to. Um, <laughs> so do you know, Andy? I you have know what no a, idea. Okay, I have a clip. I thought, I thought it was You feel excluded, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I feel not seen. Um, <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was about... You know the thing that um, you put across your nose to stop yourself snoring no. that Robbie oh, Fowler used to no, do? No, that's something to do with hygiene. It's yeah. it's when you are going to try on underwear or a swimsuit and there's a plastic sticky back okay. strip I'll on the gusset. This. Just in case next time I'm, I, I, Next time I do it, it's just Chuck Just Friday. imagine... <laughs> The glistening, yeah, right. <laughs> leftover. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, not anyway. about COVID. It's about actually buying underwear. It this must be. I don't know. It's a metaphor <laughs> yeah. for life. Right. Yes. So you can recreate all of humanity just by scraping off the residue on the hygiene strip. Yeah. Well, I feel we really. If you get into a lab. Yeah. yeah. I feel we really entered a whole new realm for the podcast, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> a scientific one. Out. You had to geek out with Doctor Strange. I did. Now yeah. we talk about hygiene strips. Anyway, <laughs> what we recommend? I mean, obviously, Katie's just completely love with X propaganda. Yes. You can't get them out. Of I, your I can't. No. But it's a great album. I really enjoy. I, it. I really recommend Same it. Same here. I love the album. album. Now it's Suzanne and Claudia's turn to bring in a current favourite tune, their editor's recommendation, as it were. So what track did you guys choose, your current favourite one? It's Impossible by Rockstop and Alison Goldfrapp. And why did you choose this? What's what's speaking to you? Uh, it just seemed so, the, the electro, the mm. electroness of it. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. And just a, a really good attitude and a synth pop, you know, yeah. so it's kind of, it was very relatable. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. 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 Stern woman with yeah, electronic beats. Really well, liked us. Mm, yeah. No, yeah. It's yeah. like it just was a cool tune. We just mm. thought. I think there's, there's from, definitely yeah. a bit of a lineage from propaganda sort of to uh, to the world of yeah, gold. But also yeah, the dance music yeah. angle because yeah. propaganda in the in the, uh, at, the, at the time we, we you know we, we there was that element mm. as well and. Yeah, there was just it's. There seemed to be just a connection, yeah. and so so mm. we chose that one. We reviewed this album last week. It is a cracking album. Yeah. Let, let's have a listen. Great this tune. is up with Impossible with the guest vocals of Alison Goldfrapp. You may not have been aware that the Pentaverate is a secret society operating from a very secret locale, comprising of five of the richest people in the world. They may run the world, but they are a benign force, if not intensely private. But before you reach for your tinfoil hat, 
This truth is only reality if you're watching Mike Myers' Netflix series, The Pentaveret, hence the name. With Myers playing all but one of the secret society, plus many more roles besides. Is this the conspiracy comedy, the con-com, we need right now? (laughs) P.S. Andrew's happy because show favourites Orbital are in charge of the score, so let's try and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not ask him too much about that because I know that will have made your day, Andrew. Yes. Let's listen to the trailer. In 1347, five learned men realised that the Black Plague was caused by fleas on rats. However, the church believed the plague to be God's punishment, labelling these five men heretics. So they formed a benevolent secret society to influence world events known as the Pentaveret. The Penta what the fuck? What is this? You gotta do an expose on it. You break a story like the Pentaveret. You can do something good for this world. I haven't had this much fun since I was at a nudist colony and accidentally backed into a meat thermometer. Katie Pockrick, I am going to start with you. Mike Myers was at the top of his game about 20 years ago. He's been relatively quiet for the last decade or so. Is the Pentaveret the right comeback? Does it hit the right targets? I found it gentle sometimes a bit flaccid and tepid Mm -hmm. and sometimes bursting out with a bit of tumescent delight. (laughs) It wasn't like a laugh riot. I didn't need to unzip my sides, (laughs) but I appreciated the intelligence behind it. The Mm. targets were really good. The whole idea of uh, conspiracy theories empowering even more ridiculous conspiracy theories. Some of the characterizations of goofy um, local television, regional television anchormen, or Mm. I don't know, stoner dudes, seemed a little broad. But because it's Mike Myers, Mm. you just love him. You know, he's Mm. just kind of lovable. So I I only watched one episode. I am going to watch more. Okay, It's sort of old-fashioned, but not bad because of that. Mm -hmm. So the plot is based on the newcomer, Hobart Clark, who is joining the Pentaveret. It's contrasted, as you say, with this old-school Canadian news reporter called Ken Scarborough, who is played, obviously, by Mike Myers, because he plays most of the things. He needs a big scoop, so he needs to find the secret society. Did this push the right buttons for you, Claudia and Suzanne? Obviously, you're one person. We watched it yesterday. We watched it together. And it was difficult to get used to, but there Mm. are really funny... I mean, you know, I like the can con con for example yes. <laughs> and the, the you know the 2001 references and mm. the fake news and other mm. so that was really good but we had some problems with I don't know. How do you... <laughs> with the, the humour? Toilet humour? It's a lot of toilet humour. Yeah. 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 It's quite scatological, yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But I think I will watch another episode. But that's what we said. Yeah. We yeah. saw that's one true. episode mm. and we thought, well, at least we should make uh, watch another yeah. one. So mm-hmm. where is this going? Yeah, yeah. 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 Who's, the, who's the audience? Because it is like potty humour, mm. but then there's sort of incisive social commentary mm. on what's happening in politics. And yes, there's yeah, the yeah, yeah. word satire as much as scatological. Yeah. 
this is mm. something yeah. about mm. conspiracy theories, fake mm. It's yeah. satire. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. Yeah. Yes. What did you think, there you Andrew? Go. Is it I, your kind of thing? Well, I, I actually like both kinds. Your face is lighting up. <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed it, yeah. not just because the soundtrack by Orbit <laughs> is a marvellous yeah. soundtrack. Uh, I liked it a lot. It's it's good and stupid in the best possible <laughs> yeah. way. It's silly. It's you know when silliness silly. is yeah. really yes. good and stupid. What it really is, is, do you remember the scene in Austin Powers where we're in Dr. Evil's headquarters with his hench persons around the table and you know mm. Dr. Evil is mm. stopping around threatening them and killing them with gas the supply. it's mm. basically a gigantic extended riff on that the idea that the secret rulers of the world who are pulling mm. all the strings mm. the Illuminati mm. yes. are actually A. ridiculous B. vaguely Boring. benign <laughs> yeah. and they, these guys are kind of you know Lord Lordington is clearly Stanley <laughs> yes. Johnson yes. Um, there's a disgusting Australian newspaper magnate who can that possibly mm. be mm. Um, so they're, they're very very broad satires on existing things but what mm. I liked about it was this is a satire on all the terrible modern concerns that we've got of mm. fake news and climate change and conspiracy thought mm. and radicalization and extremism. And it's handled very, very lightly and in a very silly way, which is both refreshing and also gives you the sense that maybe these things can be handled. You know, I, I loved Don't Look Up. I thought it was great. Yes, yes but it I do agree. But God, was it depressing. It was like, there is no hope. Oh, we are going to die. Yes. Nothing can be done about this. Yeah. And what Mike Myers does here is he, said, he, he points out We've all heard of the modality of evil. He points out the stupidity <laughs> of evil and the silliness of evil. Mm -hmm. So I actually found it really enjoyable. I am going to talk about the soundtrack for a minute because Orbital soundtrack is great. Go on, then. Lalo yeah. Schifrin is Mini here. Contract, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's basically the whole thing is based on the box. Remember the box? The, the yes. hit. Do, yeah, do, the do, box do, is do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the theme tune. Yeah. But it is meticulous down to the level. The motif from the box, that mm. kind of, I think it's a dulcimer, isn't it? Do, 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 ding. Yeah. When you, when you press the door button to open a door at the Pentevere, that's the little noise yeah, you get. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Which is in itself a reference to the saint, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's a reference it's to the saint and it's a reference yeah. to the prisoner. Yeah. The typeface is the prisoner typeface. Yeah. Remember the prisoner? I don't remember. Mm. All that kind of thing. the prisoners. Yeah. 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 It's great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Patrick McGowan. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so it's actually, it, there's a lot of depth to it. It yeah. is a... I hate to say love letter, but I'm going to say it. It's a love letter <laughs> to mm. that school of television. You know, mm. the champions, yes. the persuaders. But also Peter yeah. Sellers, obviously. He yes. Was, it yes. was oh, God, someone yeah. who played yeah. multiple True. roles in films, mm. but also satires mm. yes, oh, on global politics mm. and mm. history. And, you know, I mean, this is the same ground, but my, yeah. Meyer's treatment. Can we mention Lydia West? We can. She's great. Let's, it's a Sins Lydia West. It plays the assistant of yeah. this old news hound, <laughs> Ken yes. Scarborough. And she doesn't have a massive part, but she She's brilliant, isn't it? Well, I just <laughs> really loved her. She's just got absolute dry humour. There is a strain to this <laughs> show, which is well, a lot of the comedy comes from um, Canadian. Uh, it, yes. It's Mike Myers Canadian making yeah, mock yeah, of yeah. Canada. Yeah. Mm. So, the guy, they're trying to throw me out of my job. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. We've got to get out there yeah. and just go yeah. and find the story. And it's really gentle and it's affectionate yes. and it's silly, but also it's new. It's we, You don't see that a lot. It and is. he's allowed to do it because he's Canadian. Yeah. There's a wonderful thing where they oh, do go to that um, conspiracy convention. Yeah. And obviously, it's filled with tinfoil hatters. <laughs> They're almost getting swept up in it. Well, you don't see baby pigeons, do you? And I was just, yeah. oh, yes. Yeah, there's, it's so, there's a kindness, I think, to his comedy. Mm -hmm. You don't always yeah. get with Sasha Baron Cohen, who could be yeah. 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 He's very sweet. Yeah. There's yeah. something about yeah. it where you just, oh, Friday.
Saturday night, have a lager and watch this. It's exactly yeah. what I thought. Oh, I watched two, and there's a bit in the second episode yeah, where two. they start to play. He, he thought they start to play around with the form of the show. So, yeah. oh god, that's suddenly, really. and this is maybe this is a spoiler, but suddenly the screen yes. changes, and it's, and it's the, uh, there's a Netflix executive who says, "Hello, I'm Ken from Netflix. You might not be expecting this kind of a show. <laughs> maybe it was a little bit more like this. You might enjoy it more." And the same scene re yeah, They take out the swearing okay. of yeah. the same scene, ah, and it's okay. worse, and it makes it even <laughs> immeasurably <laughs> worse. So it's very clever and very inventive yeah, yeah, yeah. and silly at the same time. Mm. So I loved it. I, loved it. <laughs> I think this is getting a Friday night thumbs up, isn't it? Yeah, I well, I have to say it yeah. was a little more gentle. Maybe I just <laughs> am expecting Pinshaw by it. I, yeah. Maybe, but I I eased into it like mm. you ladies yeah. did as well. I, Give I, it so, another. Yeah, I, I yeah. came in with a certain level of expectation, <laughs> and then I thought, okay, it's this other thing, and uh, and I am going to go in for uh, episode two. Okay. Take it from there. Yeah, I must yeah. admit, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh my god, ex propaganda are going to hate this because they're kind of sophisticated <laughs> European <laughs> old ladies with, with so high, serious. you know, high minded, serious. Yeah. Well, I'm glad everybody liked yeah. it. Finally, regular listeners know we also ask our guests to suggest their favourite songs of all time to add to our rolling playlist. The link is in the show notes, of course. Claudia and Suzanne, you've got two songs that you're going to add to the greatest music of all time. What are they? Night Porter by Japan. Why is this the greatest song ever made? Why do you love it so much? I just like the length of it, also the way it builds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And it's just an elegant piece. It is possibly the most atmospheric yeah, thing so to elegant. make the top yeah, twenty, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. so, it, it's so much not a pop song, and yet was vastly, vastly popular. Yeah, and I, I just liked it because it just like it has like it just builds so slowly, mm-hmm. and I like that, you know, and it just kind of ignores the rules a bit, you know. Yeah. Mine is Lou Reed, "Perfect Day," because that is the song which sticks out over the years again and mm-hmm. again and again. I love it. Fantastic. Well, we'll stick those straight onto the playlist. And Katie Puckerick, you get your choice. Mm. The greatest record ever made. What is it? Joni Mitchell's mm. The Hissing of Summer Lawns, which is the oh. title track from The Hissing of Summer Lawns. Mm. Uh, I listened to it first when it came out, and I was too mm. young to mm. fully appreciate mm. the ennui deluxe that she was <laughs> describing, the flattened spirit of the the caged bird mm. of the suburban housewife, the bougie housewife mm. who is just ensnared in her husband's wealth and the, her soundtrack in her Beverly Hills life are the sprinklers that mm. are just watering the lawn. That's the hissing of the summer lawns. And mm. it's so moody and blue mm. and chilly and jazzy. And I thought, mm. oh, I can't wait to be an adult and be sad. <laughs> <laughs> Great album. I, I also thought there should be a kind of a hip hop ex- exploration of those same themes for the modern day called the dissing of summer lawns. <laughs> People would buy it. And- <laughs> And with that, we're at the end of the podcast. And it's closing time chatter. What will we be discussing as we stare icily at the camera, turn on our heel and walk down a ghoulish alleyway? Was that propaganda? Human League? Who was it? Anyway, <laughs> I think we're all looking very icy and very cool today. <laughs> Andrew, what is your closing time chatter? Well, I just want to make the point that everybody needs to uh, realise that uh, Liverpool's journey to the Champions League final grand mm-hmm. procession mm-hmm. began with our goalkeeper heading one in against West Brom 12 months ago 
this, this is pure kind of butterfly wings chase, oh, create okay. a hurricane thing. Yeah. If Allison hadn't managed to get a header in, and yeah. goalies never score, we know yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he hadn't managed to head one in against West Brom, we've never got that extra little you point that oh. qualified us. And now, possibly the greatest achievement in football is about mm. to happen, all because the goalie managed to score a header. And if I could capture the blank looks in this room right now on Instagram. I see your mouth opening and closing <laughs> and I hear blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Katie, what is your closing time chatter? Um, I'm thinking about letting the wind ruffle my hair as the summer sneaks up on us. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about doing this via investing in a pair of rollerblades. <laughs> And rollerblading up and down the South Bank. Ooh, because I've yes. noticed that in this day and age, young people are mm. certainly taking to the streets with mm. all manner mm. of wheeled vehicles. wheeled vehicles, yeah. like weird unicycles from the future yeah. and skateboards with too many wheels mm. on them. And I'm thinking, you know what? I want to get back mm. out there mm. in the mean streets of mm. the kids yeah. wheeling and rolling and flying along. So I want to rediscover okay. my youth. That's that's my top tip. Good idea. I think we really got into female skateboarders recently, uh, walking the streets, Claudia and I. And there's some such good-looking young women who are fantastic on skateboards. And I think it's just a new thing because... Oh, they're now in their 20s Mm. and uh, their parents obviously took them out and, and taught them how to skateboard. And that's why, you know, I thought, yeah, you're right. If yeah, I, they seem like so free and, and, and powerful. Fast and, yeah. yes, mm. and great, yes. Maybe we'll all be doing it. Um, closing down, chapter, we were thinking about, um, well, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting concept, I think, you know, people buying something big um, and, and for the sake of free speech. But mm. is it really... Or what's behind mm-hmm. it? You know, is this to suppress certain other news? It's thought? weird because it's, he seems to be taking a free speech fundamentalist position that everything will be allowed. Mm. Because when you allow everything, you actually enable the suppression of speech because people get shouted down yes. mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, verbal attacks and pylons and fake news and infor- mm. misinformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are actually forms of suppressing mm-hmm. free speech. The idea of just let everybody say everything mm-hmm. is going mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. solve it. I think there's a huge debate coming down the line on this, particularly yeah. Yeah. because he's simply he's winning the argument with money. Yes, exactly. He has an agenda. Right. The agenda is money. I would like to see Twitter nationalised and run by the Pentaveron. <laughs> Those yeah. guys would know what they were doing. Essentially, would mean Mike Myers and Lord Lordington. Scatological everywhere. Sean, how about you? Um, Eurovision is next week, and um, mm-hmm. I did have a look at the Sam Ryder uh, video, which is the UK entry, and I did feel immediately sorry for him because last last um, year, as you know, the UK got null points. It's just even worse this one. Are we going to get minus points? I mean, bless him. It's a nice song, but it it really is. It's it's not a it's not a point winner. And there's going to be so much going on next week there's with all of this. Well, the Ukraine's going to walk it. Absolutely. Yeah. And why yeah. not? I mean, let's. Uh, yes. let's, let's I, saw I think your, that's rather wonderful. I saw your notes out the corner of my mm. eye and I thought, why are we sending Sean Ryder to Eurovision? <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? Do now that would be it. Yeah. Eurovision! Yeah, oh. come on. Yeah. <laughs> be on one. Is, Ru- is Russia in the Eurovision Song Contest? No, I think they've been binned. They've been yes. kicked out of everything else. Oh, okay. they, they're not allowed in the football, they're not allowed in the Eurovision. Mm. Absolutely. But mm. poor guy. 
Good luck to you, Sam. And you're doing your uh, art. I certainly am. So I'm going to do my fundraiser. Usually goes to Great Ormond Street, but this year it is going to go to the Red Cross Ukraine Appeal. Every year, and it's going to be the 10th year running, is I, I do art on the side. It's my side hustle, but I live draw all the Eurovision acts in real time, which is less than three minutes thing, in watercolour. And watercolor paper, beautiful little postcard sized things. Wow. If you bid some money via my Just Giving page, which will be on Twitter at the weekend, then you may actually receive an artwork. And I send them out. My donation is I pay for the postage and packaging and the materials, but you actually get an artwork. Yeah, and yeah. you pay with the sweat of your brow. <laughs> it's really hard. And, and I'm doing it live, so Amazing. it's absolutely terrifying. And I do it on Twitter, so I've done it now for 10 years, so I can't actually stop. Great do you, idea. What do you prefer solo idea. artists rather than eight piece bands because it's quicker and easier to do? God, it's when there's fire. It's when there's fire. <laughs> and it's really difficult. And then the fire's in somewhere else. It's hard because you really have to get gauge what's going to happen in three minutes in the first 10 mm. seconds. You do miss stuff. But it's actually quite exciting. And people really cheer it on. So it's quite I nice think what should happen oh, is nice. a, a, That's brilliant. next mm, propaganda yeah. show on the 24th uh, at the garage, I think you should be set up with a little easel at the back and you've got to <laughs> paint all the songs. <laughs> I, as have, they I have live painted on stage before oh, with musicians. Yeah, really? yeah, I've painted have a big you? acrylic. Yeah. How brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was yeah that was terrified. Oh, I can't mention okay. <laughs> Sean it's like you're like a, a, oh, a like courtroom that. sketch oh, artist yes. like that, yes. Yes. For, yeah. for crimes against music exactly. <laughs> well and, uh, with, on that art bombshell that is the end of the podcast <laughs> thank you so much to Claudia Bruken and Suzanne Freitag of X Propaganda for joining us well, thank, thank you, you. thanks for having us yeah. thank you uh, it's been great fun and thank you so much to Casey Puckrick for being well, a regular on the Culture Bunker happy to be here oh, happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you listeners remember you can get all the tunes on our rolling playlist the link is at the top of the show notes. Also, we'll add some of those ex-propaganda ones when they're actually out, because some of them aren't yeah. out yet. From me, I'm from Sean, from producers Alex Reese, Yelena Sofranevich, and Elena Ganatra. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. The Culture Bunker was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison and Sean Pattenden. The producers were Yelena Sofranevich and me, Alison Becker. I mean, Alison Goldfrapp. I mean, Alex Reese. With assistant production from Elena Ganatra. Music by Kenny Dickinson. The Culture Bunker is a Podmasters production. Culture Bunker.